This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, this is Matt Baum, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast with Joe and Jared. Yeah, you'll notice it's not me, so not going to be quite as funny, but what can you do? Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to episode 190 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, December 17th. My name is Joe Patrick. I'm at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. When I'm not leaking trade secrets in an attempt to get control of Spider-Man away from Sony, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm Jared Savitas at Willie Toots on the Twitter. And when I'm not stepping in to cover for Matt Bomb's slacking ass, I'm the intrepid dungeon master of the Kinky Wizards and the co-host of the upcoming THN series, Smokin' Reviews, with John Bunger. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Rumble, number one, and Squarriors, number one. After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's comics, faster than Cuban smoke shops can sell out of Cohibas during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll arm wrestle Santa for the secrets of next week's comics. And finally, the comic pushers are back. And with Matt gone, we're going to do something a little different. So let's throw the last of the coal lumps in a sack. Hop into the sleigh and set a course for John Luttrell's house because you know he's been extra naughty this year. Then, oh, that guy. No. Then we can talk about this week's big news. Archie Comics is making industry waves once again. This week, the publisher announced their plans to relaunch the long running Archie series, the company's flagship title, with a new number one in early 2015. The Archie series has been published since 1942, making it the longest-running and highest-numbered American comic on the stands. So what change is so drastic that it would cause the publisher to start over? None other than the new creative team of, oh my gosh, wait for this, Mark Wade and Fiona Staples. What? According to Archie CEO John Goldwater, quote, the Archie characters aren't in need of a tune-up, shocking change, or revision. Those characters have stood the test of time and resonant to this day. We've proven that over the last six years. What Archie number one will do, though, is bring together two of the most talented creators in comics in Mark Wade and Fiona Stapes and create a surprising and definitive take on Archie's origin. Uh, excuse me, it's Fifi Stapes. Oh, that's right. It's Fifi Stapes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a story that has never been told. Archie's origin, oh man. I guess. The book will bring back some of the bite of Archie's original tales in a modern, forward-looking manner, while still retaining the character's all-ages appeal. The new tone and design of the characters will spread to all of Archie's monthly 32-page titles, but new and classic stories in the traditional Archie style will still have a home in the company's line of digests. Fifi Stapes has stated that she will draw the first three issues of the series, and her work for Archie will not conflict with her other gig, Saga. There's no word on how long Wade's run will be, but once he takes on a project, he tends to stick around for a while. So Joe, are you prepared for a modern biting take on Archie and his gang? I feel like I've been waiting for this my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So this news hit on a, a Sunday night, like a week ago. Yeah. And... Nobody was expecting it. Nobody was prepared for it. And all of a sudden, that was all anyone can talk about. Archie. 
Yeah. Again. And they keep doing this. They keep doing things that people would never expect Archie to do. I'm already kind of an Archie fan. Like I've, I loved Archie as a kid and, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into it, but I don't see how anyone could want to pass this up just on sheer curiosity alone. Sure. Okay. Well now I am not an Archie fan. Sure. But I respect the book and the risks that it has taken in the past. Like the things that it has done, like you said, you never expected an Archie comic to do. And man, you have got to give it up for them and for them to keep doing stuff like this. And like I saw the image uh, by Fifi Stapes and I was like, oh man, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah, it's, it's exciting. You know, that's cool. I don't think I'll pick it up, but I, like I said, it's a, that's great. That's incredible. Like bravo to Archie comics and that they do stuff like this. I hope that it doesn't slow down for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I agree. They keep taking these huge risks and it keeps paying off for them. And so kudos to them. Like you said, bravo Archie comics. Yeah. And for the record, it's Veronica. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's the choice. Veronica is shallow. Betty no, loves no, no, you no, no, for no, no, you. No, 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 no. Veronica, right, has all the money. She can get anybody, but she still likes simple old Archie. That's a good point, man. That's some true, that's some true love, man. That's a good right? point. What's he got to offer? You know, like she, <laughs> nothing really. Right? <laughs> A bit of sad news to report this week. Legendary Batman artist Norm Brayfogle has been hospitalized following a stroke. Brayfogle is one of the definitive Batman artists of the late 80s and 90s and is the co-creator of classic Bat villains Mr. Zazz, Anarchy, and The Ventriloquist. In recent years, Brayfogle contributed work to The Phantom Stranger, Archie Comics, commercial projects, and children's books. According to friends... Bray Fogel is expected to make a full recovery and he is awake and alert and aware of the outpouring of support from fans and loved ones. Jared, when I think of Batman, I think of two things, Jim Aparo from the seventies and eighties and Norm Bray Fogel. Are you a fan? Joe, I'm a fan of prime prime from Malibu comics. Hell yeah. And Holy crap. That was Norm. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I did not read, the DC books uh, back then, I really didn't. You know, I was mainly a Marvel guy and a small press guy. And so I was aware of his work in Malibu and with DC. And so when I saw that this was one part of the news, I went and I looked at some of his work. You're right. Like his DC, his Batman work is a huge chunk of Detective Comics. Yeah. He did and, that for a long time. Uh, some of his work is very striking, almost silhouette type images of Batman. And he, I, I even saw this drawing he did of Wonder Woman, which was really incredible, where she was pretty much all cast in shadow. His contribution to the feel and look of Batman post Dark Knight world, uh -huh. you know, right. uh, I think carries over a seriousness you know what I mean? From uh, maybe what came before Dark Knight with right. Batman, him being kind of lighthearted and and drawn very like not so heavy sh in shadow. Yeah, like a like and a like, bright not superhero, so menacing, right? Like and, a like, typical imposing. superhero. What he's done is important, and even though I wasn't a fan of it, his work helped define yeah, that man. character for yeah. a generation of of readers. Yeah, and Prime 
is an awesome story. It's like a modern <laughs> Captain Marvel. Yeah, like, I, I loved Prime too. <laughs> well, everyone at THN extends our warmest wishes to Mr. Bray Fogle. We're hoping for a speedy recovery. It's a shame that guy hasn't been doing a lot of comics in the modern day. I hope he's able to come back. Best wishes, Mr. Bray Fogle. We're pulling for you, buddy. Yeah, man. Now, finally, Dynamite Entertainment has announced plans to revive their project Superpowers line once again, this time with a new series from writer Warren Ellis. Black Cross will be written by Ellis with art by Colton Worley and an assortment of variant covers by some of Ellis's recent collaborators like Declan Shevely, Tula Lote, and Jason Howard, among others. The series will have a supernatural theme. A departure from the pulpy capes and tight stories of the previous Project Superpowers titles. Here's the series description from Dynamite. All small towns have secrets. All small towns have ghosts. Black Cross, in the Pacific Northwest of America, has more secrets than most. And it is being haunted by something impossible. Black Cross! A supernatural extension of the Project Superpowers mythos <laughs> is a ghost story about something reaching out from the other side of the night through the forest and mist of this remote town to grasp at the hearts of a handful of people who may not find out that they're the targets of a strange killer until it's much, much too late. Ellis's collaboration with Dynamite was actually announced by the publisher eight months ago. And in April, Ellis said, quote, I've long been fascinated by the period in comics that produced these characters, and I'm very much looking forward to working out the strange, atmospheric take on the weird thriller that they inspired. Now, Joe, I know you and Matt have talked about your disinterest in the Project Superpowers books before, but is Ellis's involvement enough to hook you? Yes. And his like strange <laughs> Cthulhu type hauntings. Yeah, that's Lovecrafty, whatever. I did not care for the Project Superpowers books when Dynamite launched them, but I mean, Warren Ellis can come onto a book and make you care about something that you never thought that you'd have any interest in whatsoever. Like, I know that he's the only reason that a lot of people picked up this last volume of Moon Knight. Sure, yeah. I don't know how it ties into Project Superpowers. I know that piratey looking guy, the Black Terror, was on the cover. <laughs> Uh, that yeah. they showed. Yeah. I remember vaguely them talking about this months ago and then nothing being announced. And I had to look it up and, and I found yeah all the way back in April, Dynamite said, this is happening someday. <laughs> and here, here we are, you know, eight months later, I will read anything Ellis puts out at least once. Sure. I'm going to give this a try. If he can make me care about that line, then I'm all for it. It sounds like a, a departure, uh, a, a more horror themed. I'm into that. The art looks really good. They put out some preview art by this guy, uh, Colton Worley, somebody that's been working for Dynamite for a long time. I'm intrigued at the very least. Yeah. Uh, you know, Project Superpowers to me is a book that I just remember seeing filling up back issue bins and filling up <laughs> yeah. back stock boxes. I never got into it. And I kind of felt like, man, they were putting all in on this book because there were so many titles. And then like, yeah. like the offshoot titles... Besides the team title, like different characters got their own book right. periodically, which ran for however many issues. Alex Ross covers, of course, beautiful work, but yeah, I just never got into it. You know, but like you said, Warren Ellis always can do a little interesting twist on things. And, uh, you know, this doesn't sound horrible. <laughs> it sure doesn't. You know, on a, on a completely, well, you brought it up, but I wonder what the hell Dynamite 
did to convince Alex Ross to draw the cover for every book they put out. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they pay him. Well, but didn't he like co-created in the beginning? Oh, yeah, you're right. I think that yeah. he was part of yeah. the reason Project Superpowers came. Like they brought those public domain characters back uh-huh. was because he was interested in them. You're totally right. Yeah. But like he's doing covers to books like the Bionic Man and uh, <laughs> and uh, they, they've got him somehow. Yeah, they, they've, they've got something on him. <laughs> Good for those guys, I guess. I mean, he's not drawn Vampirella covers, so I, he's not no, totally no. hooked in. But he did some great Red Sonia covers. Oh, yeah. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where I'm holding court as the reigning champion of the THN Sucker Fantasy Football League. Or not, depending on how tomorrow's games go. <laughs> Editors note Joe Patrick lost to Robert Cruz in the championship game, and I am firmly in last place. Every Sunday, I poke of the week on the THN forums and this week's question comes courtesy of Wooly Toots himself Toots take it away oh yes it's Toots time again and this week's question is I want to know okay Joe here's the gig everybody's got their favorite holiday themed movie everyone's got their favorite holiday themed song I want to know what is your favorite holiday themed comic book story they're out there oh there's lots of them like uh, when Superman gave gifts to each member of the JLA, and then there was the classic Lobo paramilitary special where he knife fights Santa Claus because drunk Easter Bunny wants Santa out of the picture. I love it. Uh, yeah, so that's my question, folks. I want to know it. I want to know if there's some feed that I should have read to get me filled with cheer this holiday gift-giving year. <laughs> You have until this coming Friday, December 26th, to get us your answer. That's the day after Christmas, fools. You can call and leave a message with your answer using Skype. The Skype handle is 2 nerd, all one word. You can call the Ziggurat hotline at 402-819-4894 or send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. But whatever you do, keep it short, three minutes or less. You will get cut off either by Matt or by Google. <laughs> if you need more time than that, Feel free to write to your heart's content in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. It's review time on THN where Joe and I pick two of this week's comics, check them twice and find out if they're naughty or nice. Joe Patrick, what are you reviewing this week? This week I'm reviewing rumble number one from image comics written by John Arcudi with art by James Heron. After a long absence, Wrathrack, Scarecrow Warrior God is back and very unhappy. Bad news for his old enemies, yes, but worse news for everybody else. I'm going to get this out of the way right now. I've read this thing twice and I have no idea what's going on. There are so many moving parts here that the solicit doesn't even touch upon. Yeah, there's a vengeful Scarecrow Warrior God and a young bartender defending the old man that it's hunting. But there's also a crazy old cat lady with a suicidal cat that comes back wrong. Two mysterious, probably magical creatures atop a mountain, some kind of monster getting washed up out of the swamp by alligators, and a lot more. They don't even mention that in previews. (laughs) I know it sounds really disjointed, but I never felt anything but confident that it would all fit together somehow. 
And while our cutie barely scratches the surface with any of the characters, the tone of the story is such that it doesn't feel like anything is missing to me. The superstar of this issue is the art combo of James Heron, Dave Stewart's colors, and Chris Eliopoulos' lettering. The whole book sings with reds and purples and speed lines and hand-drawn sound effects. It's a joy to look at. I read this comic twice. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm okay with it for now. What I do know is that Rumble Number 1 was a complete blast, and reading it made me happy. I'm giving it a buy it. Joe? I have to go along with you. Hey, it's some wacky crap. I, <laughs> I, wacky I, crap. I don't know what was, I, I didn't know what the hell was going on either. There's so many crazy elements you get introduced, like different characters have like a couple pages, and then you're back at something else. And then there was like there's a sword through the whole thing too, right? There's a magical like there's a sword. Magic sword going on. I don't know what's going on with that thing. Oh, there's demons from hell or somewhere <laughs> trying to get a guy. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, super super cool and. I got to tell you, like James Heron has been on my radar since um, he did the third issue of Turok, Son of Stone for Dark Horse Comics back in 2011. That guy's incredible. I, I want to see him draw superheroes, tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. He's been doing all this work for Dark Horse, and I've loved everything he's done. Yeah, the, the, the team alone, the creative team alone, I, I'm there for the book. You know, like I'm there to check it out. Totally. And when it was described, when you guys read the solicit last week, and it was like Robert E. Howard meets... Uh, uh, David Fincher, David Fincher, and yeah, right. And I was like, oh, a director I like. Oh, a writer I like. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This book is mine. Yeah, I don't care what you do in Rumble. I don't care if it don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> you can still sit on my lap. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah, buy it. That's a big buy it for me, Joe. Awesome. I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Well, that was short and sweet, Jared. What do you got for me this week? Oh man. I read Squarriors, number one, by Devil's Due, written by Ash Maxco. Maxco? Sure. And art by Ashley Witter. Squarriors is the epic saga of warring animals in a post-human world. Oh, specifically a small tribe known as the Timkin, and their struggles building a life in the new world while confronting the hostile neighboring Maw tribe. So, Joe, every time I thought about the title of this book, all I could think of was Squarius, come out and play <laughs> every single time. And so I was just building myself up, getting super eager and excited to read the book and find out what the hell it was all about. I was sure I would enjoy it. But to tell you the truth, I don't know what I was expecting, but this book is a little hard for me to get a grip on. It begins with a scene from the fall of man and the creator's as the animals have come to call the humans. It seems the society of man is breaking down. Trade has replaced currency, and violence is the order of the day. After a few pages, that opening scene is over, and I'm not really sure what that served. It must have a larger purpose in the grand scheme of the story, because right now it just felt unnecessary, other than to show the violence of man. And to show that they prey upon themselves, and that that kind of parallels what happens in the animal kingdom post the fall of man. Hell, well, I don't know, Joe. I don't know. Now we are then thrown into a scene where a mouse from the tin kin tribe is being hunted by a pair of squirrels and a cat from the Amoni tribe, which ends very bloody. And the tin kins, which I believe are named because they live in an old train engine or something. Sure. I don't uh, know. 
they need to relocate due to sickness. This guy was a scout to look for a safe land. And Joe, I'm, I'm just going to stop there with trying to describe this story because it's such a mixed bag. The animals in this book, they kind of wear clothes, some wield weapons, some seem to carry themselves in, a, in like a more human manner with the way they stand. Others move and look more true to their animal natures. The cast, I felt, was a bit on a large side, and I've kind of found them hard to tell apart. Oh, for sure. And except like, for the one fat one. Yeah, except for the fat guy that, <laughs> lead, that is like training the squirrels how to use weapons. They all kind of look the same to me, the animals, and that's a big problem with a book like this. You know, it's kind of like with the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, when it was black and white, you had to learn who they were by their weapons until they decided to change the colors of all their masks. It's kind of like they need to do that with this. The squirrels need to be different colors. Some need to have patterns on them or something. So there's all these tribes of critters. Some want peace. Some want war. Some want to lord over the others. Hey, man, do we trust the fox? I don't know. Is he a sly fox? The book just feels really heavy, and I'm not sure the weight is a good thing. The closest thing I can compare it to is the novel Watership Down, which was a big, heavy bummer. Yeah. Uh, there is a hierarchy tribe chart in the back of the book that just kind of lost me but you know the book does have something going for it the art within it is a powerhouse the animals are done really well uh there's this one panel of a mouse drenched in rain during a dream sequence it's just it's a very beautiful very realistic but overall the book just kind of left me empty i think my favorite part of it was uh the pinup gallery in the back some of the guest artists captured the look and feel of what i had hoped the book would be so I'm very sorry, Scorriers. I wanted you to be badass. Personally, I got to give you a leave it because I don't think I'll be back. But this was a Kickstarter book, which says to me it got enough funding and that there is an audience out there for it, clamoring for it. That audience just doesn't contain me, Joe. I'm with you, man. I read it as well. And not only was it just very, very, very heavy. There's also very little reason to care about anything that's going on to any of these characters. Right. Uh, I agree that it was impossible to tell them apart, except for the fat one and the fox, obviously. And the flying ones. And well, the cat. sure. You know, yeah, the, you're right. I the, mean, the, the different types of animals, sure. <laughs> but like when it's just a bunch of squirrels in a room, you're just like, I don't know who's who. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's very violent. In, yeah. a way, in a way, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing by itself, but... Like I look at a book like Mouse Guard and even Mice Templar, which I'm I'm not as much a fan of, but those books do this sort of thing to me so much better, and in a way that makes you care about the people and uh, the animals involved. Yeah, and this just fell flat for me. I couldn't latch on to anybody. By the time I got to the end, I thought to myself, there was no reason at all for me to read this ever again. The art is amazing, Ashley Witter. Is a phenomenal artist. Uh, it's it's kind of painted looking, yep. and uh, the animals are very very realistic, and the the rain effects, the environment effects. It's a beautiful looking book. There's no doubt. Yeah, there's just nothing there for me in the story. I'm giving it a leave it to. Yeah, and I did not want to make the mouse guard comparison. I tried very hard to not do that. Sorry. And no, that's fine. I mean, even in the letter from the creator in the back, he was talking about how. This is a book that's kind of always been in his mind, you know, and uh, how 
when he was getting it, like when it got picked up or whatever, that's when he had heard about, he hadn't even heard of the books Redwall, the Redwall novel series, and he hadn't heard about Mouse Guard. So those books had no impact on this story. Oh, sure. And I feel, I feel a little bad that I don't like it because of how much he, <laughs> this book meant to him, like right. how much of a thing it was, but man, it's just rough stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe a better review is a skim it from, from me, but I have no interest beyond looking at the art and I don't really want to see pictures of squirrels stabbing each other with spears and fish hooks and fish hooks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's grisly. <laughs> So if the only thing going for it is the visuals and the visuals are a super bummer, I'm not going to come back to it. And I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah, man. Uh, if that's not to say it's not well produced. It's just not for me. Sure. So that is a double leave it for Squarriors number one and a double buy it for Rumble number one. As always, we want to know what you combat rodents and headless scarecrows thought of these comics. So hit us with your opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. It's so easy. Like a, a baby could do it. My baby could do it. Conan, son of toots, could do it. This week, President Obama and the United States would be resuming diplomatic relations with Cuba, just as the governments of Nebraska and Oklahoma threatened to sue Colorado over the legalization of marijuana. No. Now, the dispensary that we own on the side is in shambles, totally messing with our plan to jet down to Havana to pick up some authentic Cuban cigars before all the tourists show up. Since we couldn't be in two places at once, we did the next best thing, hire Max Mercury to taxi us around the globe as fast as he can. So join us as we hitch our sleigh to the back of an elderly speedster while reviewing 10 more of this week's comics during the ludicrous speed round. I hope he doesn't mind it in smokes. Ah, buckle this. Ludicrous speed. Go. Rocket salvage number one from Archaea. Primo Rocket was once a big time rocket car racing legend. Now he's a scrapyard salvage man scraping and scrounging what he can to make some scratch. There's also something going on about a weapon of legend that everyone wants, but no one knows about it. The book is filled with racing rockets and a colorful cast of aliens, robots, clones, and more. The art is stylish and the coloring is beautiful and vibrant. This could be a really fun one by the series and I'm giving it a buy it. I loved it. Lumberjanes number nine by Boom. Lumberjanes graduates from a miniseries to an ongoing with this issue and while it's creative team is scrambling to produce content to keep the series on time they do a great job masking it with a campfire ghost story device several short stories from several different creators fill the issue and the whole thing is a lot of fun this is a great series truly for all ages and not just girls either if you like to have fun and take friendship to the max <laughs> this is for you buy it ragnarok number three from id dubs walter simonson continues his tale of ragnarok which focuses on Thor as a Draugr, an undead warrior. Oh, zombie Thor. Thor, now known as the Stone God, decides to seek out the Well of Mimir, the Well of Knowledge, to drink of its waters and figure out what the hell where he can no longer feel Asgard. In his travels, he gets mocked by a squirrel. It's a squarrier, I know it. Fights Revenants, <laughs> and by issue's end, stands ready to battle a troll. 
all in a day's work for Undead Thor. If you are a fan of Simonson, I say go for it. But for me, it's just a skim it. Joe is going to read Batman number 37 by DC. After over a year, I'm finally caught up with Batman, just in time for Scott Snyder to maybe take the Joker in a direction that my 36-year-old fanboy heart isn't ready to accept. But like Death of the Family, Endgame is full of tension and uncertainty. And for every little hint Snyder drops about Joker's true origins, he alternate thing, kind of pull it back, just keeping you in the dark and a vagueness that really is creepy. I'm loving every page. Batman remains one of the strongest titles in DC's lineup. Huge buy it. Batwoman number 37 from DC. I checked out when J.H. Williams left and since then have wondered how she has been doing. Well, in this issue, she fights and team ups with Etrigan, the rapping demon who has been separated from his host, Jason Blood. I'll also make an appearance is her sister, Alice, Clayface, and glimpses of Ragman. It wasn't a bad read, really, but not the Batwoman book I remember, which I really didn't even expect to see anyways. So I'm giving it a skim it. Solitary number one, Devil's Dupe. I thought the premise behind this series sounded pretty cool, an unkillable former superhero on death row, but there wasn't too much to get me invested in the actual story. There are a lot of flashes filling in some of the backstory, but the time jumps get a little confusing, and there's no real sense of why the main character is going through this. Like I said, the idea is solid, the art is great, so I'll check out the second issue. It's a strong skimmit. Jim Henson's Storyteller, Witches, number four from Archaea. The short-lived television show is given new life in comic book form in a series which focuses on tales about witches. This issue, we get a story about one of the most famous witches of legend, the Baba Yaga. From issue one, this series has been a showcase of artistic and story talent, which graces comic book racks not nearly enough. If you enjoy storybook tales of fantasy and magic with a hint of darkness and danger, then this series is for you. Big time, buy it! Annihilator number four from Legendary. I'm pretty sure I accidentally skipped the last issue of this series, but honestly, I'm not any more or less confused than I was before. <laughs> Max Nomax and Ray Space continue to do something as the villainous Jet Macro hunts them down. Maybe? I don't know. All I know is that I'm hooked into the story that Grant Morrison is telling enough to keep reading, and the art by Fraser Irving is transcendent. Buy it! BPRD. Earth number 126 from Dark Horse. This issue, the agents of the Bureau are still picking up the pieces of their mission into New York and the fallout that followed. Being a field agent has never been more dangerous than now. You know, I do not miss Hellboy, Roger, and Abe in this book. The agents have become stars in their own right, and Magnola and Arcudi continue to build an epic story that I don't even want to end. This is another James Heron drawn book, which must mean we are in heaven. Yet this series is about hell on Earth. How many times must we say it? Make mine Mignolaverse. Buy it. Wonder Woman number 37 from DC. Meredith and David Finch continue their run, telling the adventures of the Amazon princess. Realize that following Azarello and Chang was an impossible feat. But this is the textbook definition of mediocre to me. Awkward transitions from scene to scene, art that shows flashes of brilliance, when the characters don't look like teenage blow-up dolls, for real, there's a scene where Wonder Woman is posed and her arms are very stiff and her mouth is like gaping open like, 
put something in here. <laughs> no, no, Diana. And there are some truly wretched patches of dialogue, like the scene where Wonder Woman threatens to kick Super Butt, and Superman <laughs> refers to Diana as D. The only thing that saves this book from being a leave it is a last page reveal so unexpected man's longtime DC fans to come back for more. I'm giving it a skim it, but just barely. That is your ludicrous speed round and is the sound of something truly terrifying about to happen to Commissioner Gordon as seen this week in the pages of Batman 37 from DC Comics. Everyone knows that Santa's workshop is at the North Pole. What most people don't know is that the fat man spends most of his downtime at a dive bar in Benson, arm wrestling hipsters for free drinks and handing out the secrets of next week's comics that can best him. Just as we are about to issue our challenge, Battle Pope barged in from the street, shouting something about teaching everyone in the bar the true meaning of Christmas. So join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Joe and I are about to dig into the treasure trove of info we were able to sneak away with while everyone was distracted. Joe, what are you excited to read next week? Next week, my pick is Graveyard Shift number one from Image Comics, written by Jay Farber, with art by Fran Bueno. Here's your solicit. Reunited after their memorable run on the critically acclaimed Noble Clauses, Jay Farber and Fran Bueno bring you a new tale of crime, horror, and romance. It's Fright Night-style thrills and castle-style crime-solving as a homicide detective and his girlfriend find their love put to the ultimate test when they run afoul of a gang of vampires. Look, I know how it sounds. Love and vampires, that's some Twilight shit. But <laughs> there's one thing I know. I love Jay Farber. And I am definitely excited anytime he starts a new project. Fran Bueno worked with him on Noble Causes. That dude's art is awesome. I don't know. His name's Fran. Maybe it's a lady. I'm not real sure. I'm sorry. Either way, I'm checking it out. It looks great. Jared, what's your pick? My pick for next week is McBain. Number one from Bongo Comics. McBain. Written by Matt Groening. Really? That's what it said. Art by Various. Solicit. You only die once. Springfield's number one box office draw finally gets top billing on the Simpsons one-shot Wonders Marquee. Many of you know him as the muscle-bound strongman turned action star Rainier Wolfcastle, but the world, as if that was enough, knows him simply by one name. McBain. Never say one shot again. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, should be a blast, man. McBain, come on. Up and at them. Up and at them. Who doesn't love McBain? The cover alone is a joy to behold. So, yes. Check it out. The THN trade of the week goes to Corto Maltese under the sign of Capricorn graphic novel from IDW written and illustrated by Hugo Pratt. Here's your solicit. This book, the first of 12 volumes, launches the definitive English language edition of Hugo Pratt's masterpiece presented in the original oversized black and white format with new translations made from Pratt's original Italian scripts. Long before the term graphic novel entered the popular lexicon, ten years before Will Eisner's A Contract with God, 
Hugo Pratt pioneered the long-form, drawn literature story. Cordo Maltese set the standard for all adult adventure comics in Europe. By the mid-70s, Corto was the continent's most popular series, and Hugo Pratt, the world's leading graphic novelist. The adventures of this modern Ulysses are set during the first 30 years of the 20th century in such exotic locales as Pratt's native Venice, the steppes of Manchuria, the Caribbean islands, the Danakil deserts, the Amazon forests, and the waves of the Pacific. I've never heard of this book, ever, but just this week, I saw some comic book creators gushing over this guy's work on Twitter. Like, he is such an influential figure in early 20th century comic art, and I saw that IDW was putting this book out. They do great work with their archival reprints, like uh, the Little Nemo stuff and sure, yeah. uh, the Comic Streak stuff. I think this sounds awesome. It's like a grown-up Tintin going around on adventures. He's like, uh, I don't know. Tintin smashed with Indiana Jones. I don't even know. The art looks amazing. I think it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of this sort of uh, globe-trotting adventure. When you're done lighting your newly legal stogies, let us know which books from next week you're excited about over at the THN Forum. Confession. I had to look up all of these drug references because I don't know <laughs> shit about it. The comic pushers are back and Map Bomb is nowhere to be found. You know what that means? Giving the whole world a Christmas gift by taking this month off from butchering a classic rap song. Plus, Willie Toots is in the studio, so we're doing something a little different. One year ago, Last year's drunk show, in fact, occasional THN love slave Kevin Coffey asked Jared to give him some fantasy comic recommendations. Since 2014 has been one hell of a year for comics, we thought it would be fun to check in with Toots once again to get a few of his favorite non-superhero stories from the past year. Mr. Toots, the floor is yours. Let me tell you, Joe, there was some great stuff. And I have to admit that I picked up a lot of things that I have need, but boy, do I think they look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with this. I hate to sound like a broken record, and you hear it all the time on the show, but there are some ongoing non-superhero stuff that is just amazing, and uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't be checking them out. Everything you hear about them is true. Saga is an amazing book. You know, people talk about The Walking Dead, and they go back and forth on The Walking Dead. I read The Walking Dead once a year in the hardcover collections. And so I read a big chunk of like, it's like 12 issues or something like that. Kind of like, all right, let's see how this is doing. And every time I am pumped. Like, it's good. Like, I, it's still solid. That's good because Matt and I stopped reading Walking Dead long ago. And so we don't ever talk about it on the show. I check in with it every once in a while. I think that book reads best in huge chunks. I agree. I, I don't see how month, people can read it month to month. Month because, to month, it loses impact. And and there's so much, like, I mean, you could probably go through that book in five minutes. You probably read it in five minutes because there's be times when there's, like, very little dialogue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, like, reading it in big chunks, I'm getting, like, big story arcs. I talk about it with a, a buddy of ours, Joel, all the time. And, man, like, we are both still really impressed with the book. Good. Another thing is... Don't ever be afraid of picking up a book 
just because it looks interesting to you, half the time you will be greatly rewarded. Now, I feel like there was only twice this year where I picked something up because I was like, the cover is pimp and it looks nice. And then it farted out when I read it. And I was like, uh, sure. this one got me. But there is a handful of books that I didn't know anything about. I saw them in previews, picked them up, and goddamn, I love them. All right. One of them is a book called The Guns of Shadow Valley. Oh, yeah. By, uh, it was published by Dark Horse. John Luttrell, that guy, naughty guy we mentioned earlier, I think he told me it was all online first, and then I believe either they, they kick-started it or something in order to make the, the collection. The physical, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful book. It's uh, laid out horizontally, you know, it's, it's, so it's kind of an odd shape and size, but it is a Western with like superheroes and sci-fi and uh, oh. a little bit of crazy supernatural it is a trip. Now, like I loaned it to my dad, who's a big Western guy, and he was also very taken with it. Uh, I I recommend that if you have interest in any of those genres. Another book I had not heard about, but the cover was like, "Oh, this is so you, Jared." Is Barbarian Lord? Small little hardcover by Matt Smith. It was published by Clarion Books. Matt Smith in the back says he was inspired by the works of Tolkien, Robert E. Howard, Edgar Rice Burroughs, a little bit of uh, Dino De Laurentiis, and other things that ring very high for me. And it is an absolute joy. It is a black and white book, story of a dude that just goes by the name Barbarian Lord. He loses his land, and it's all about him like being cast out. Barbarian Lord is your typical like Conan the Barbarian type of character. It's very funny. It's a very charming book. It's serious, but lighthearted. I really can't say enough about it. I suggested these dudes do a take a look. It's in a book review on it, but maybe I just did that. So, all right, we're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen this book on the stands at legend. You've convinced me. I'm going to give it a look. Oh, I love it. You can borrow my copy if you need to. Sweet. All right, here we go. Okay, so this year I had a son and very excitedly, I saw a book in previews based on the cover and the short little solicit on it. I was like, this is going to be the first comic I ever buy my boy. And it's a book called Red Moon. It's published by Dark Horse. Again, these are all hardcovers and I know they fetch a hefty price, but hey man, you can maybe, you know, get them on sale I don't know. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> They're worth it. If they weren't worth it, I wouldn't be here saying this shit. All right, so it's written by Carlos Trillo, illustrated by Eduardo Rizzo. Ooh. And who doesn't love that dude? Come on. Yeah, really. It's the story of a young girl and her friends as they adventure across a mag- magical land to rescue her father. It is a gorgeous book. I believe it was published in like probably like Spain or something. I don't know. Without looking it up, I couldn't tell you. Sure. <laughs> but Dark Horse has collected it and offered it to the American audience. I haven't read it yet, sadly. It is just an amazingly beautiful book. I trust it. Like, I trust the way it looks and what it's telling. And and so, bam. Red Moon. Red Moon. All right. I also grabbed another book based on its look. Archaea has collected and published Cursed Pirate Girl hardcover. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that. By Jeremy A. Bastian. And this book is amazing. 
Like it is gorgeous. It's all black and white pen work. It's so highly detailed. Like I lose myself in the pages. The format of it, like the paper stock is a almost like parchmenty type. Edges are all ripped and frayed of every page. It's yeah, yeah. a really gorgeous book. We talked to him at C2E2 a couple of years ago. His artwork is outstanding. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Let me just say this. There is Arkea as a publisher. I really think you can't go wrong with the stuff they put out. You know, they don't do any superhero stuff. You know, I, I've not read the stuff of Legend, but all I hear is that it's good. So good. And uh, I love Mouse Guard, up and down and backwards and all around. That could make this list because, you know, he puts out at least one series a year. Yeah. Archaia is just coming up and we reviewed, what, two Archaia books this week? You know, like Also, I know I came on this very same podcast and talked about Battling Boy. Battling Boy by Paul Pope. Holy smokes. Yeah. What a great book. The follow-up book, The Rise of Aurora West. Uh, he didn't draw it, which was a little disappointing, but it's still a very nice, good-looking little book. And in fun in the same vein, continues the story a little bit. Another book I took a chance on, it was called Robbie Burns, Witch Hunter. It was uh, published by Renegade Arts Entertainment. The creative team, there's like five or six names on it, but on the spine, it mentions uh, the last names of Bibi, Rennie, and Trey Valian. It... Uh, is a crazy book about a dude uh of course he's hunting witches and all kinds of supernatural whatnot sure it's very very mignola like uh even in its artwork um but again a gorgeous book check it out now that's it for like my hardcovers and i'm gonna kind of buzz through some more ongoing comic book series no superheroes and wonderful stuff well hold on let's do this sex criminals is that a superhero book joe I would not. I mean, they kind of have like the sex superpower. They have powers, <laughs> but like they're not, they don't fight crime. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> sex Criminals is great. That's an Image Comics books. Man, anything that Rucka does is damn fine. Outcast was a really good book. Okay, now I didn't keep up with that. You liking it? Well, I read the first issue, Joe. Okay. And I'm going to get it. I Look, I made the transition to pick up a lot of things in trade. Yeah. So I've read a lot of first issues, and that's kind of how I judge whether or not I'll pick it up in trade. Sure. And uh, Outcast, I thought, is, was really strong. Now, I read two issues of Starlight. Starlight yes, I may love Starlight. Have, may be my favorite new book of the year. It's too bad it's over. Starlight was amazing. Check that one out. It's kind of Flash Gordon-y. Oh, Manifest Destiny. Oh, yeah. I just got into that this year. I love that comic. It's amazing. Like, uh, Manifest Destiny is really good. I believe you can pick up the first trade for like 10 bucks. It's you, cheap. You, you got to love when Image does that. Yes. Usagi Yojimbo never fails to deliver. And that series has been going on forever. Yeah. And they're now putting out big, crazy omnibus trades of it. There's no reason why you couldn't get into that. And, man, you'll be reading that forever. Now, Brubaker. And Phillips. Read anything those guys do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Their new book. Fade Out. I love it. Yeah. That's pretty good. There's some creators that I will check everything out, like Terry Moore, Jeff Smith, whatever they do, I'll check it out. You know what I mean? Like those black and white creators, everything they do is so different from what they did before that you're just, you know, you are rewarded right. by their works. Right. Ongoing Six Gun is always awesome sauce. Oh, and then there's this BPRD. Oh, let me tell you, 
I want to say issue one, maybe 122. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe right around there. It's the one with Steel Kilt Coffee Shop in it. I don't know if you read that one. <laughs> I, yeah, Joe. I'm behind. That might be my favorite comic book single issue of the year. Wow. It was amazing. Really? And like I said, kind of in my quick quick read of a review of BPRVD, like the agents have taken on, you know, that book so strongly. Like when, you know, when the main cast like left the book, everybody was kind of like, ah, oh, it's kind of in flux. And then they were overloading us with comics. Every week you were getting another BPRD this, a BPRD that. And then they finally were like, okay, we're going to streamline it all and, and just do Hell on Earth as a series and change the numbering so that it was all consistent. The book has just been a powerhouse. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't get over it. I just hope James Heron becomes the main artist. And that's, <laughs> now that Tyler Crook is gone, which is a little bit of a bummer, they got a new guy kind of filling in and the filling issue he did he was mocking James Heron's style. Oh. So go back to that <laughs> question of the week about uh, copycats. I will end with this. I just recently reread every Baltimore comic book there is today. Oh, Baltimore. That book has elevated to such a high spot for me. I can't recommend it enough. Baltimore is a beautiful book. No superheroes I, anywhere in that book. <laughs> I, I think Baltimore is my favorite Mignola book, and it's not even set in the same universe. I agree. Um, we've talked about this before, Joe, you and I, and we both agree that it is a more enjoyable read than Hellboy for both of us right now, yeah. sadly to say. I mean, Hellboy is an amazing book, but uh, I feel like it's a little steeped in all of its backstory, and, and it's almost gotten a little bit a little heavy. Not that I don't enjoy it, but... Baltimore is straight fun, man. It is one man hunting down vampires and werewolves and all kinds of craziness. Totally agree. Giant spiders. Oh, man. So I don't know, Joe. What was that? Was that good? Did I, did I did. come back with Look, some man, stuff? You, you, you've gone above and beyond. Uh, <laughs> I thought you would probably I thought you'd show up with like four books. I, tr- <laughs> I tried. I tried to keep it down, but like hey. same at the same time when, like when I got asked the Kevin Coffey question was the same thing. I think I sat here and babbled it. Matt for like a half hour and he's oh, like, yeah. I'm cutting that. Don't down. worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's Matt's problem. <laughs> so you heard it straight from the man himself. Like we said in the intro, 2014 kick ass year for comics and not just capes and tights. These are some of Toots' favorite not hero titles of this year. Check them out. Let us know what you think. Head to the forums. Chime in with your opinions. If you need more recommendations, you know where to find us. I promise next month I'll be back with some more rapping. You're welcome. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for episode 190 of THN. If you like podcasts that can't decide on a single theme, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, and find us on rhymeswithgeek.com. Wherever you find us, we'd really appreciate it. If you left a star rating, a review, a thumbs up, or whatever, because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. As always, huge thanks to all of our donors. If you want to help with the upkeep on the Love Slave sex kennels, they're getting pretty shabby. You can make a contribution in any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box and as little as... 
uno dollar a month really does help if you're interested in sponsoring the show shoot us an email with the subject line sponsorship remember to follow us on twitter like our facebook page and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion and then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the answer of the week podcast but if you need more thn in your life right now get over to twitternerd.com and check out ludicrous speed reviews by aaron myers Saturday Morning Cartoons by The Credible Hulk, Nerd TV by Jim Stafford, and the first installment of the new THN opinion feature, Charlie Tron. Oh, and just published last night, a new book report by Andrew McBride. Boom. Content for days. Oh my goodness gracious. Now while you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402 819 4894. Using these resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read, suggest a question for Ask a Nerd or the Question of the Week, request leniency from the two-handed judge, defender segment, or submit your self-published comic for review, send it to us printed, digital, pee it in a snowdrift, whatever. And don't forget to visit the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show let everyone know which creators are on your naughty list, or just rap about comics. We're taking next week off for the holidays, but we'll be back the first weekend of the new year to present the fourth annual THN Golden Beppo Awards. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Jack Davis, one of the most iconic artists to ever contribute to Mad Magazine. Davis's work has been a mad staple since the very first issue 62 damn years ago. Mr. Davis announced his retirement this week at the age of 90. Personally, I think he had a few more good years in him, but whatever. Word to you, sir, and enjoy your retirement. You've more than earned it. Editor's note, it's now been reported that he's not retiring. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics from your local retailer. I can't promise the exchange of bodily fluids like gross, Matt does. Gross, gross, gross. But we sure do appreciate it. And from me, Matt, Jared, and all of the THN Love Slaves, we hope you have a safe and happy holiday, however you choose or don't, to celebrate. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Merry Christmas, dudes. Hey, yo. Uncanny Xmas yourself, sir. 